You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Our guest today is Kat Steinmetz, Principal at Initialized Capital. MPL family, stop what you're doing and take five seconds to go subscribe to the MPL Weekly Digest. Every week, we'll share the top three takeaways from the episode along with the full transcript. Just go to the show notes for this episode and click the link to subscribe. And now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Modern People Leader. What's what's going on, Kat? Uh, how are you doing? Hey. Yeah, so excited to be here with you both. Doing great on this, another very rainy day in San Francisco. <laughs> But it's good. The sun is starting to peak out, so it's lovely. If it makes you feel any better in what's usually sunny Austin, Texas, it's also cloudy and rainy here. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it's been that kind of winter. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's get into good news stories, and I'm gonna pick on you, Kat. Do you want to go first? Do you want to kick us okay. off? Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's see. What is my good news story? I mean. I would guess I was talking to my son last night. He's 10 and he goes to performing arts school. I'm a longtime musician and performer myself. And he got the lead in a, a performance that they're doing uh, a song from Cabaret. So he's very excited to do a dance and sort of singing thing for that. So that was, that was fun. And he has his school musical tomorrow, Matilda, that he's in. So really excited to see how he does that and how it goes. But they, they're no joke, man. They put on some big productions. So it's pretty fun to see. I have two daughters. They are, well, soon to be 13 year old and 11. And ah, yes. I just watched Matilda for the, for the movie uh, for the first good. time in my life. Yeah, it is good. It I is really it. good. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fun. Yeah. So that'll be cool. What's your son's name? Rylan. Tell, tell him congrats. That's, uh, uh, that's awesome. I will. I will. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Steven, do you want me to go yeah. next or do you want to take it? I'll take it. I'll take it. So as a, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about entrepreneurship today, venture capital. And so my good news is somewhat on, on topic in as a, as a startup CEO, it is sometimes you got to make really tough bets. And when I mean really tough, like you've never experienced how hard some of these decisions are that you have to make. And so nine months ago, we decided for multiple reasons to completely rebuild Workify, our, our platform. And man, it has been quite the journey, but the bets we, we've we made are, are all paying off now. And so I can't, unfortunately, I still can't share more. There's a bigger <laughs> reveal that's going to come in the coming here in the near future, but man, it feels good and to get the validation and to get the positive feedback. So we were super, super excited about that. I'm fresh from some meetings yesterday where we got that feedback. And the, my personal good news is normally I, you, if you watch our YouTube videos, I don't think anyone watches our YouTube videos, but if you do, you know, I did. A, a, oh, well, there, <laughs> there you go. And you'll see that yes. um, I have a cup called that has Dutch bros on it. Okay. And my, my partner, she is from the Pacific Northwest. Um, oh, so Sarah's too. from Spokane, Washington. Oh yeah. And she, there's like drive through coffee shops are a thing up there. Like here in Texas, we got a lot of land. You don't need, well, you're seeing more and more drive throughs Yeah. And so Dutch Bros is a huge brand up there, coffee brand. I, you know, having traveled up there so much now have come to love it. 
and they have them in Texas now. So wow. she was driving around. My partner was um, yesterday, the day before, and she found a Dutch Bros in uh, in Pflugerville, so just north of Austin. So that that's, that's my second exciting. piece. Of, I got a lot of good news. <laughs> Love it. Sorry, guys. That's great. Yes, that is exciting. Even though it seems small, it is one of those like daily pleasures where you're just like, yes, I feel how this is going to be like adding to my life. Love and that. when your partner's happy, you're happy. Oh. So there, it, it's a gift that keeps giving. Absolutely. Yes. Love that. All right. So yeah. I'm going to stick with the theme of entrepreneurship. I had something written down, but I'm going to totally change it. Similar to how Steven shared that you have to make some really tough bets as the CEO of a, a startup. Um, the last couple of weeks for the Modern People Leader, it was the first like road bumps that we had run into in the very short life of the company that we've had for the last five months since we've made it in LLC. And I'm happy to say that we've made it over that that speed pump, which feels really nice. There were some stressful days and nights and lots of phone calls back and forth between me and Steven. But it's, it, I don't know. I, I guess uh, the biggest learning out of that is that there's always going to be things that pop up when you're running a business. And I think um, sometimes you can like romanticize being an entrepreneur, but it's really tough. But I'm really enjoying it so far. So that's, that's maybe that's the good news. Yeah, Even yeah, with, yeah, with all of the, uh, yes. there yeah. you go. Cause that's what you got to enjoy what you're doing. So important. Exactly. Well, congrats to both of you. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So I think yeah. that you have one of the more fascinating stories that, that I've ever heard, not only just like on the podcast, but I just feel like you have a really interesting background and I won't steal all of your thunder, but just to sort of tease the audience a bit, at one point, you were a makeup artist, an HR person, and a touring musician all at the same time. And yep. I'm just going to stop right there and let you, you know, take it from here. Like, just walk us through the the full, you know, career story and how that led you to where you're at today. Yeah, awesome. I will start by saying that I moved to San Francisco where I live in the peak of the dot-com, the original dot-com. So yes, I've been in this for a while. As a little baby recruiter, I moved from Minneapolis to help open a consulting company office here in San Francisco and really kicked off my career kind of in the recruiting realm. So I know a lot about just like how to figure out talent and how to think about those things. And I was like, I love that, but I don't, I like it, but I don't love it. And so I started going more towards like the development side of people. That's like what I'm very passionate about for myself as well as for others, helping them reach their potential. So I became the sort of first consultant uh, developer, basically of the consultants there and got really interested in that. And then of course the dot-com died and like everyone got laid off and I was one of those people and recruiters are usually the first to go as well as oftentimes people in L&D but it afforded me this new opportunity in, in the climate of like, okay, what do I want to do? I mean, I'd literally been working since I was 15 and like retail and babysitting and, you know, one job all through college, you know, all kinds of things. So it was just like, okay, what do I, what am I really passionate about? And I had all those three things. I really loved the, the HR side. I definitely wanted to stay in there. Uh, so I kept my foot in the door of, you know, helping startups just start from nothing, right? Just 
create programs, policies, hire their first HR person. And then we came to, to San Francisco to really be in the music scene. Uh, there was an incredible artist scene here, a music scene, especially back then in the, the house music scene. So in the electronic music before it was called EDM, it was just called house music. And so I'm a longtime singer and I just started pursuing that and had the time to actually go and be out later as a performer when you're not doing a, a super hardcore job. And I'm a longtime artist. I was a fine arts major in college and I just was like, I'm going to start doing all the things I want to do. So I started doing uh, makeup art for this small startup that was a photographer kind of uh, startup and then sort of branched and got word of mouth and started doing musicians, albums, covers and videos and uh, commercials and, and all kinds of stuff in that realm. And I was able to kind of mix them all together. And then I went to Burning Man as a performer. And that's kind of what kicked off me working at Burning Man. So I started consulting for them and that was all they needed because they were really small and helped them build up everything that they were doing over time and kept my myself in the music world, in, in the, the arts and, and makeup world because they supported that, right? They were all artists. They were all people that wanted people to have a full sort of artistic life. And it was very welcome and supported to be in that and be a part of that. So I was able to, to figure out how to make it all work. And I think that taught me a lot about in the middle of challenge, while you don't want to invite challenge and suffering into your life when it is here, there are a lot of gifts and there are a lot of things to learn in the midst of that. And so I think that really opened my eyes to opportunity, you know, sort of possibility that happens out of challenge. And so, yeah, just kept working in that realm. And as you know, I worked through Burning Man and they started to become this sort of huge global phenomenon that they were. Um, it really came to a time where I decided to join full-time, not just as a consultant. So I did that and really built out their whole people function from the ground up. They had no HR presence of any kind. There was a couple of accountants when I started there and that was about it. So really helping hire a, a large chunk of the organization, build out all the programs, build out the whole people team. And I, I really see, I kind of grew up there. I learned a lot on the job. And that was okay because they were at the, the place where they were also learning how to be a real business. They never thought they were going to be a big, huge business, right? They just thought they were going to be this sort of like arts, you know, counterculture festival. So I think we really kind of helped each other in that way to develop and figure out how to become more strategic and become more business-minded and think about things holistically and I think a lot of my work there was taking what we did on the playa and actually applying it to the office because there's a lot of really good structure that happened on the playa, right? People could count on how things work there and then you feel really free within that structure. And I think I was trying to help apply that same thing to the office because they come from the arts background, the sort of, we don't want to be the man, you know, we don't want to be corporate, but structure is freeing to people. And I think that's another thing I really learned at Burning Man is that when you have just the right amount of structure, it's very freeing for people to know how to walk about and to have autonomy and agency within that structure. But without that, you kind of aren't clear and you don't know. So you're constantly sort of stopping and starting and in limbo and you can't really decide how to make decisions. Kind of like both of you were talking about, like, how do I make these decisions as an entrepreneur? You know, so I think it allows people at, in their own business as they're right. Each person is kind of running their own, their own business, how to walk about and how to do those things properly. So I started speaking on those things and kind of 
applying those when I would go to other places. So I went to Stitch Fix next. So I was a very early employee there. What an incredible ride to be a part of the original leadership team there, working with Katrina Lake and Mike Smith and, and all of these incredible people on the management team there from the very beginning and creating the cultural assets and the leadership qualities and, and all of the talent development for them. And then the whole ride all the way through to IPO and what all happened there to help them become a global company. So I, again, learned a ton on the job. And what I learned there was that I'm a builder and not a maintainer. And I hadn't really been able to know that until I got there and was like, oh, I, yes, there's a bit of a love-hate relationship with that, right? You're like, why do I do this to myself? But it's so exciting to have that kind of impact and to create things from nothing and to be so creative and in curiosity around what's possible. Um, and then from there, got really kind of like interested in, well, what's next? I've kind of done this head of people. I've done this thing from the startup, you know, to IPO and ended up getting recruited and hired to Box and didn't see myself, you know, going to such a large company or having to drive to Redwood City every day, but got really convinced about their culture and how amazing it was and really is uh, and kind of really saw myself as a startup in the middle of this large company. And went in there and kind of started from scratch, built the whole team from scratch, built all of the talent development programs, rethought the strategy about how to do that and how to think about transformational leadership and helping people think about how to really, really affect behavior change, right? Rather than just sort of like things that look like they're great, but they don't actually teach anybody anything. <clears throat> so I think that idea was just an exciting new opportunity. And it really allowed me to do things in a new creative way, but at a big scale to really see the impact globally, to see the impact it had across a larger group of people. And so I felt like at that point, I had kind of had the full gamut, right? Of like all the different ways I could express myself. And at the time I wasn't looking at becoming some, a part of a VC wasn't even in my mind, but I was part of people tech partners as an advisor. And that's really helping founders, uh, with, you know, at young early stage to help their products be better and incubate them. And then was also a strategic advisor to a coaching platform. So I got the chance to really be in an early startup again, be advising from that level and really looking at it strategically from a business and how to help a founder do better and the product to do better. So that gave me a lot of kind of experience in that realm and then started looking at classes even around like how to be an angel investor and how to like help women founders. And I took a couple of classes with a really cool nonprofit called How Women Invest and How Women Lead. Julie Castro Adams, I think is the, the founder of that. And they, it's all about teaching women how to do those things. And I just, I'm super passionate about helping women and diverse founders and, and entrepreneurs and just people in the world to do, like reach their best potential. Um, and so I got recruited uh, by Initialize. They did their first ever call out to the world instead of kind of within their, their inner network. And what was cool about them is they, they have this different philosophy from any other VC that I know, and they only hire former operators and founders um, as part of the investment team. And I think that really gives them a very differentiated quality of what people, what founders are looking for, for how we can help them. And I had this deep 20 year background in uh, the HR talent and culture coaching realm, as well as understanding the startup world um, and, and helping founders. So that's how I got here. What an amazing story. So 
I, I think when we did the prep call, I'm I'm just now having flashbacks to that call. Uh, I remember getting really excited when you talked about how you're a builder and not a maintainer and how creativity is woven into everything that you do. And then you used a word that I don't think I've ever heard, multi-potentialite. Is that right? Yes. Can you explain yes. what that means? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, multi-potentialite I've only learned of, learned of in the last few months. And it's basically someone who can excel at doing multiple, very different things at once. And I was like, there's a word for what I am. <laughs> it's so exciting to learn that. Because, <laughs> you know, this is something that I felt early on, but I thought, was maybe not a good thing, right? Because I looked at it, the world, especially sort of in Minneapolis at the time, a while ago, it was just like, oh, everybody else has this one very traditional path and they're really happy with that. Or that's how it looked to me, you know? And I just have never been that person. I just love variety. I like seeing how things can mix together. I, I just love experimenting with things. I like diving deep into them. And once I feel like I know it, I kind of don't need to do it anymore. And I want to like, but I want to take all those transferable skills and do something with it that connects to the next thing I'm going to do. And I feel like it's really given me insight when I, cause I coach a lot of people in my community all the time, just for free. I'm just talking to people all the time and yeah. helping them, you know? So I feel like it helps me to talk to, especially, you know, people from non-traditional backgrounds where they're like, well, I'm considering this thing, but I can't do that. It's like, no, you could, let's talk about what's transferable. Let's talk about what your narrative is, you know, cause I think it's all about the story you tell. And as long as you understand your story and you, you get what is great about you and how you can do that, people are like, I'm, I'm psyched. I want to work with you. Right. So I think it's, it's just, you know, um, yeah, like seeing that spark in people and helping develop that, but that that's the multi-potentialite. So hence the, the makeup, music, and HR. How do those things go together? Well, you can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely relate to all of that. Yeah, um, I think more people than actually we think, right? Yeah. And especially yeah. in this world, I think it's more and more supported to have a lot of things that you're doing, whereas it didn't used to be, right? In fact, I think it's actually almost required at this point, yeah, right? Like jobs yeah. are not traditional anymore. They're going to be less and less that way. And it's, you don't get pensions and you don't stay till retirement and you don't do all of these things anymore. So you have to figure out a way to blend things. And I think humans are just more apt to be that way. They, we have a large spectrum of things we want to do. We only have this one beautiful life. So what are you going to do with that? You know? So I think making the most of all the areas you want to do is actually more like what we really are than we've allowed to be in the past. Yeah, I agree. So you you briefly touched on how initialized capital is a bit different from other VCs. So you only hire operators and, and uh, previous founders. Just curious, like what types of, of deals are y'all investing in? Yeah. Yeah. So initialized capital is an early stage VC and we're generalist. So we have kind of all sectors that we're looking at. I would say that certainly software runs through a lot of them, um, but not all of them. And again, we have this incredible team that has very deep expertise in their areas, right? And I would say I'm not the only one that has sort of multiple things like that, but everyone on the team has real world experience. And Often they have both operator and founder, right? Like, you know, uh, multiple companies they've been at, and then they decided to do something as a founder and try it out. Right. So, and, and even investment team members that were there and have gone on to do a startup, 
So, you know, that as well is, is, is kind of a part of the history. So yeah, unusual. Right. And when I first started interviewing, I thought, well, I have no background in this. Like, why would you even consider me? You know? And it's like, no, 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 we don't think like that. Like we feel like the operator experience is what you can't teach, but the investing side, you can, right. You can learn, you can take those transferable skills that we know you have, and you can then learn the deal side. You can learn the investing side. And it's just a practicing, right? And so I think they actually saw something I didn't even see in myself. A really beautiful experience, you know, and something that I like to try to take out in the world too, to help people see things that they don't see. So I think every day when we are talking to founders, whether it's a portfolio company and we're helping them or it's a pitch we're just taking, that's what I see gets them excited and also makes them feel like, huh, like you get me, you know, you understand, like you really understand me, right? I don't have to like pretend or it's not just about like, you just want to know my metrics, right? It's like, no, we really are there for the long haul and we don't invest in people unless we feel like we would work for them ourselves, right? So we really know we're going to be working with these people for like 10 years, you know? So you want to invest in a way that's like, I want to partner with you and I want to help you succeed over time, right? Because there's going to be pivots and there's going to be markets like there is now, and there's going to be, you know, a layoff or a something, or, and there's going to be really exciting things. And there's going to be the next round of funding. And you need to know you can partner with somebody who can help you with all of those things. And we can literally do it all because we have somebody in every area of that expertise with like deep expertise. Love it. And yeah. you, you answered some of this, but you know, why should me and Steven be jealous that, that you get to work at initialized capital? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I answered some of it and I would say like, I didn't say enough about how amazing the team is like that for me, it's always, of course, about the people. Right. And I would say from my experience, it just continues to show that that is what it is. Right. So when things get really hard and challenging, it always comes down to the people themselves. Right. How are we trusting each other? How are we working together? How are we collaborating? And I feel like the team is just full of expertise and intelligence and strength, but also the other side is this humble, empathetic, very compassionate sort of stance to, and people centric, you know, like again, really wanting to help people over the long haul, wanting to partner to make a business successful, getting a lot of um, satisfaction from that. And I would say like to, to, to give them a shout out, like, obviously we just went through some pretty and are still in it pretty intense times with a lot of bank upheaval, right? Obviously that hit the VC world, you know, across everything and every entrepreneur. And I think when things go really hard is when you get a chance to really see people's true colors. And I think the team, um, it was so incredible to watch the team just pull together, be so calm, allow everyone to have a little freak out moment. And that was okay. And then to keep going and to, you know, collaborate and help each other and drop everything to, in order to help our, our portfolio and even outside our portfolio, how do we, how do we help policy? You know, I saw some of my investment team members be on some of those things where they're sending things to Janet Yellen and the fed and who knows what helped what, but I think the fact that we care on those multiple levels really matters to me. And at this point, I want to have a lot of purpose in the work that I do. And I think we really live that we want to do good and we want to do really well as a business too. I love that. And uh, I think if if you go to the website, it it is very clear 
that initialized capital is a different kind of VC firm. And I say that because I feel like they all, all like VC websites, like VC has a standard template and it's like about us, our history and portfolio. And as soon as I went to your website, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes. This is very different. And if I were to match your, your personality cat and your story with a, a venture capital website, like if that's how we, the yep. matching was being done, <laughs> it makes total sense. It makes total exactly. sense. Yes. And so I have been anxiously waiting for my turn to ask questions because uh, I want to talk about Burning Man. You okay. had me at Burning Man. No, I'm Do joking. It. I'm joking. <laughs> I could. I could because I have so many questions about the early days of Burning Man. Oh, yeah. And that how like you were brought on. I just love that part of your story. So I guess we'll have to save that conversation for Transform okay. in a few Great. weeks. Yes, um, I love it. But <laughs> for, for now, it's not too often that you see someone moving from an HR leader role going to work at a, a venture capital firm. And so tell us a little bit more, like it, it sounds like you were somewhat intentional, but you were also somewhat pulled into, into the VC role. And so when you, when you started hearing the why, maybe not your why at that point, but mm-hmm. other people's why, what, what, what were the first things that you know started crystallizing in your mind as to why it would be a good fit for you? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I, I, I was very much recruited out of the blue. So it, it was not on my radar to say, I'm going to go to a VC. Cause again, what I thought a, a VC was, was, it was much different than my experience now at Initialized, right? As you can tell from the, the website, it's just a different type of experience. And I was not real interested in the traditional VC for, for multiple levels and reasons. But yeah, I think when I started and really when I got into it, I think it was one of those things of like, I love my job at Box. I'm good. So like, there wasn't this like, oh, I have to get this job or I feel this like sort of, uh, so I just went into it with complete curiosity and actually a sense of playfulness about it. Like, okay, I've taken these classes. I've done this advising through people, tech partners. And as a strategic advisor, I know this world and I've worked at startups. So I get the investor relation. I get all of these things. So I just want to learn. You know, I just want to learn and be curious about what this world is all about and what this interesting little VC is about. Like, why would they be interested in me? So I think that helped me to be very open as I was talking to them. And it was over like a six month period, which was great because I was not in a rush to figure out if this was actually a job I wanted. So it it just, as I had these conversations, it just, like you said, it, it became so apparent, like, wait, I feel like this one might actually be the place for me. And I think they really saw the same thing talking with them of like, actually, we love your very like non-normy untraditional background is <laughs> like, and I really like, I think again, at this point, I, I want to be celebrated for that. Right. And so I don't want to keep, I don't want to mask part of me myself. Right. Like I understand my narrative and I know how it helps me and I know where my challenges are. Right. So I wanted a place where I could be a full person and be all of that. And I think the fact that I was able to go in and say like, Hey, I really don't know this other world. And they're like, we're good. Like, we're going to teach you that. And so have all the questions in the world allowed me to sing even more into my 
learner, you know, first kind of mindset. And I continue to stay in that place, even when I have days when I feel imposter syndrome, because we all feel that, right? Or days where like, For I should sure. do more than I do right now. And I don't, and like, somehow that's not okay. Right. We, well, I have that plenty, but I feel a lot more support and I'm able to shift out of that much faster because of the environment of learning and sharing and collaborating and teaching. The team there has been incredible to mentor me. We have over 70% women on the investing team. Like that's unheard of. So that would be the other reason I went, you know, it's an anomaly to have that much diversity, not only as women, but also other diversity. So we have a lot of that across the team. And I think last year, at some point we were rated like number one, most diverse early stage VC in the world or something like that. Wow. And it was just like, yeah, you know, and that means a lot to me. So I just think, yeah, there, there's so much to go for here. And, and the final thing was my, my best friends, like, come from this world. And I just said, like, I don't understand this offer letter even like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, and this is an HR professional. Like, this is just a world I don't get. I don't understand how this all. And, and I was like, can you please tell me, is this like, is this correct? Is this good? You know? And they were like, you need to run to take this job. This is amazing. This doesn't happen like this. So like this was made for you, you know? And so I'm so thankful for that. My community that helps support me every day. And then that's a lot of why they it's also clutch. come to initialize, right? It's like, I have a massive community and a massive network and I'm a super connector person. It's just what I love to do. So it really helps me in this role. It's amazing how when, and, and I feel like it can happen for different reasons and different situations, but when you go into a, an opportunity or a, a a situation or a conversation and you don't have like a, a preconceived idea or bias about a situation and you, yes. you genuinely feel like, you know, what? whatever happens, happens. And, and, and that's so counterintuitive to how I was raised. I was raised like, you got to be prepared. You got to be on your game. You got to have, you know, think through everything. Yeah. And, you know, I've had very similar situations where, you know, part of my story, when I went from consulting, HR consulting to corporate HR, I was, um, I had been working for a, an investment bank, Goldman Sachs, and I was working still based in Dallas, working in New York. And my, my manager, my Goldman manager was based in London. And so every quarter I would go and report on my portfolio projects that I was overseeing. And it just happened one of the trips, I I was on the same flight as the managing director, uh, one of the you know one of the few managing directors in HR. And on that, we shared a cab to Heathrow, and he just asked me a bunch of questions. And I, you know, Ernst and Young was great to me, and I loved my job. I was consulting and traveling internationally and doing all these things. A small kid from Texas never thought he would do, and and so I was just like having a chat with You're him. Just and he, yeah. Yeah, I, I love this. And I yeah, love here's one last year. This is exciting. This great idea and that great idea. And we got to uh, we got to Heathrow, and he was like, oh, "Would you be interested in a job at Goldman?" And I was like, "What just happened?" And I I honestly <laughs> think yeah. my naivety and not realizing what was happening in that conversation allowed me to yes. to show up as like me totally. and not not 
the me that I thought Goldman would want me to be, if that makes any sense. Oh, it and, makes so much sense. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I love that, that part of your story. And so curious if you were to narrow it down and this might be hard to like one or two e critical skills that you built as an HR leader that you found to be the most useful as a VC, what would those one or two skills be? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, way more transferable skills than I even realized once I got over here. But I would say like probably the two are, it it hit me pretty quick that looking at founders was a lot like recruiting a leader. It's a lot like going, oh, let me size up a candidate. Let me see if they're correct for this role, right? Let me understand what they're going to be doing and let me understand like how they're going to map to that or not. So that was pretty quick to go, oh, okay, I get this. I get how this really translates and those two things work together. And so that has helped me a ton, you know, to be very discerning about people as well as to be, um, I just, I just know how to make someone feel very comfortable so that they can be in the more in the space you were just talking about, right? Where they can just be like, okay, here's what's actually like real for me. And you get a lot more from somebody when you can make them feel that, right? They can make, you can make them feel at ease and like they can do that. So I think it's, you know, like, yeah, when you're hiring, it's sort of a similar thing. And I think developing leaders, again, very similar. I'm constantly coaching and advising founders, especially early stage. These are sometimes really young founders or founders who have have maybe not, you know, have done the operator role, but have never been a founder, right? And so you're really helping coach them how to be a great leader and how to let go of control and how to do these things that are so hard when it's your baby and these various roles. So I found that, find that to be so transferable to do that as well. And even when sizing up a, a company and we're deciding if we're going to make the investment, you know, if it's my area, it's a very similar thing as again, like you're hiring and building a team and you're understanding how somebody might be able to, what their challenges are going to be and where their superpowers are going to be. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are the things. Love it. Love it. And so this is probably, this may have been part of your point on there, me, there being more transferable skills than you thought. My next question is, why should more people from the HR world consider going into to venture capital? The, I mean, if we go back, and this is, we had Allison Baum Gates on yes, the show. And that. if you go back a decade, like this, this wasn't a thing. Like this is no. a dream. If, if you, if you yeah. knew what venture capital was and you were in HR, like, man, like how awesome would that be? But I have no idea how <laughs> I could ever get from A to B. Yeah. And, you know, I, the path I chose was a very challenging and difficult path. And, and so I'm just curious, a lot has changed now and I'm guessing it's a lot easier. And so, so why, why, what would your words of encouragement be to, to those HR people thinking about going yeah, into BC? Definitely. I have plenty. I think we need way, way more of us in this is what I would say. First of all, I think, um, that was actually something that, uh, Jessica Swank, who was my CHRO at Box, who I absolutely love. Um, when I was deciding about taking this role and I told her pretty early on, hey, it's this is happening and I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere, but it looks like it might go somewhere and I want to be in a really good conversation with you about that. And she was just so amazing when she talked to me to say like, wow, I can tell how excited you are. I can tell how passionate you are and I want way more of you in that world. Like we need way more of what you have and what you're bringing in that world. And I really took that to heart, you know, and I feel like 
that is true. We do, you know, because we are people centric and we know about the people side, but we are at this point, right? The modern people leader, we are strategic. We are creative. We can get around any crazy challenge you throw at us. We know how to handle things with nuance and with, you know, helping people feel safety. We understand so many different realms of what's happening with emotional intelligence that will help you so much in what in investing and even just as a part of a team a platform team and if you even if you're not an investor i think getting more of this you know uh the hr person on in the talent role or just at a vc helping is is a huge uh leg up for any vc i think they add so much ability again of all those things i just said and then some and then some and I hear that every day from my investing teams. I hear that like, oh my gosh, you were able to do this or that or see this thing. And I'm like, oh, you know, sometimes I don't think about it. I'm just doing my thing, you know? So they're so excited to have me as part of these different deals. What do you see here that we don't see? How are you mapping things out? How are you thinking about things? What am I not seeing? You know, what are the blind spots? So I feel, again, I'm at the right place because they see all those gifts but I think I see more and more of us going over my PTP advisors and crew. Like, I can't believe how much I feel like every month I see another one or two go over to the VC world. And I think it's really good because we need more of that in finance, right? And investments. We need people that understand people and also can be all those other things. Well, it's so exciting for me personally, because I could find myself in the next few, few in the next few years yeah. looking for like, what is the next thing for me? Exactly. Like, I, you, do I want to double down and launch another startup or, right. you know, where, and what I'm hearing yeah. is there are a lot more possibilities now in yes. the venture capital world than there ever have been in the past for people in HR. Yeah. And that is yeah. usually in HR. And as a founder, what you have even double that, right? You have been through the trenches, you know what it's like to do those things. And the, that's very rich information and wisdom that other founders need and an investing team needs in order to make a great decision, because especially early stage, you're really just like, it's all about risk, right? At that point, you're just like, okay, we're making a bet right? We're betting really on the person, you know? So it's a, again, a lot like hiring a candidate, like, okay, this is everything I see. And I'm just going to make the bet that I know enough that this person will have the resilience to get through pivots. They will hire the right team and be, be able to let go at some point, all of these things. Right. And I think we have a really good sense of that as HR people, we know how to read people and read, as I say, like the human source code of what they're actually saying underneath the things they're saying. The human source code. I love yes. that. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, one of my peers, uh, Scott Moss of the initialized team, we started at the same time. He came from Netflix and also being a technical founder. And he always says, just give me the source code and I'll tell you what's going on. And I'm like, I'm the same, but just start talking to me and I'll tell you about what's actually happening underneath and I'll tell you what's actually going on. So it's like, that's why I just need to like listen in here and I can tell you the source code of what's happening if there's a challenge. I feel like there's a, a clip or two or like uh, a LinkedIn post out of everything that you're saying. And it's like the the superpowers of HR and how it can be used for good in the world, whether it's a VC yes. or however you want to apply those skills. So yep. um so on, on the I'm an evangelist side, for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I know that you do quite a bit of, you find yourself doing quite a bit of advising for your portfolio companies. And I'm just curious, is there is there anything that 
or your portfolio companies are, are coming to you with as the one or two biggest challenges right now? I know there's so much going on in the world right now, but just curious if there's like one or two things that come to mind for you. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I would say, you know, it's been interesting to be in this role from the fall of 2021 to now. I mean, what a difference in the markets, what's happening in the tech world, what is happening has changed so much in that year and a half plus. So I think I've had to shift each time, right? With like, okay, where are we at now? And I think when I first started, it was like recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. We're just trying to find people so desperately. Then it was like, oh my God, we have to lay off. How do we do that right? Right. How do we do that? You know, as part of a, a, a really good human centric sort of, you know, riff. And so I think we were doing a lot of like making sure it was, you don't end up in the news. Right. So how, how do you do this in a really good way? And then I think it's also like, how do we sell to people teams? I do a lot of advising around that. Right. Like tons of our things are selling into employees or employers. And so how do we think about doing that? You know, like, how do I think uh, in your mind as a former buyer, um, how do I think about that? So I do a lot of advising around that as well. Like, what? how do I get through the frozen budget or how do I make that, how do I, you know, make that relationship in a way that I'm more of a partner and not a vendor, you know? And so I do a lot of advising about how to move out of the vendor space and move into being more of a partner right? Because I had all kinds of experiences where I had either a vendor or a partner and a vendor is more just like somebody who's sitting out there, right? Who maybe I use their tool, but I don't, they don't care about me. And I don't really care very much about them, which means when it comes to renewal, I don't care about them very much. So as a partner, you're with me on this journey. You're helping me to do the thing I didn't know I need. So those kinds of things I think are very, very needed right now in this market for, you know, a tool, right? A software yeah. platform. Yeah. So you mentioned getting through the the frozen budget. What's your <laughs> yeah. what's your advice to to anyone that's trying to get through the frozen budget of right. HR? By the way, this is a real this is a, a You're selfish like, question so, for tell me. Daniel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, yes, yes, tell me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, and of course, nothing is perfect, right? But again, I go right to relationship building. So cut all the like, I'm trying to sell you something, right? Everybody's already like trying to take too much of that and is already like feels bad and doesn't have the budget or whatever. So how can you just come in and be like, wow, you must be going through a lot right now. Like I could see that. How could I just help you? You know what I mean? Like purely because I can see that you're having to do a lot. These are ways, do you have a warm contact in some way? These are ways that I've sort of helped do this or that. Can I, even if you're not in yet, but you're, or, or you are in, but you're worried about not getting a renewal, like that would be a big thing I would do is really lean on the human side right now, right? What could I do to just make things easier for you? Even if it's outside of what this tool does, I bet again, you as a person, right, have some transferable things. Now, again, you can't be doing that at scale. So like, what are a few people where that makes sense, right? Some very key accounts for you. Where's a really warm contact? Somebody who's like a total champion for you, right? Like you see me, I'm a total enthusiast. I'm an evangelist. So like, if you have me in a company, watch out. Like I will make you the thing because that's just my style, you know? So I think like, where do you find people like me? In, in companies? Who do you see out there doing thought leadership around this area? Can you reach out to them in, in curious ways? Wow, I read your thing. Like people want to feel that, right? It's just like when you're trying to hire a candidate, tell me something personal. Don't just like send me your basic template of blah, blah. Like I don't care about that. 
So, you know, is there something personal that you can connect with on a human level? People want that right now, especially I feel like everyone's trying to get back out and meet in person. I don't know if you all are having that experience, but yeah. I'm hearing that tons, right? We're even taking, starting to take pitches in person again, which is like very exciting. Um, so, you know, I don't know, is there any way you can do that? Like things that transform or other places where you're, you know, people like that meet where it's, it's, it's not at their usual, like, oh, I have all my armor up. Are they just a human and can you meet them at that place and just know that your generosity of spirit will pay off in the long run? Like, I just always find that that's true. So, and it's not a perfect, easy sell. So like, that's how it is with stuff, but this is a long, hopefully you're in for the long haul. Yeah. On the, on the point of the, the personalization, um, I call that like an authenticity bomb. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Who doesn't want that? I mean, everyone wants to be seen as that person, no matter who you are, and wants to be met there. Um, and if you can find a way to do that, like that's magic. So I want to go back to something you mentioned prior to selling into to, to the tough account or engaging with the key relationships, and that is the hiring frenzy that we went through over the last couple of years, uh, followed by the layoff frenzy. And it's there's been quite the buzz the last couple of weeks. VCs are saying that companies have overhired and they're literally, people have been hired as a competitive tactic uh, to keep talent. And then there are people that are blaming the VCs for pushing growth. And so it's like it's a circular conversation and and for the lay person it's hard to understand like how this could even happen how so a a projection could be so off that you would hire to grow 3 4x and then have to fire to 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 get back to the right size and so i i can you offer us any kind of insight into to what happened Um, I mean, wow, there's so many different takes on that. My mind's like a buzz, but I mean, I think that there's a lot of ways to, to look at that. I think that when you're in the frenzy of what it was, right. We all were a part of that in one way or another. I think one feeds another feeds another, right. It becomes this sort of like vicious cycle of that, um, that, you know, you get caught up in that spirit. Like this is what it is. This is how we do business, right? And it was a long time we were doing business like that, right? So even during the pandemic, yes, there was a huge, and then boom, it became this, oh, not even a pandemic can cut us down, you know? Like, I feel like it got, we got a little cocky uh, again. I was just like, no, that we can even make it through that. And so I think it just went into even full, more full blown of like we, and I would say also the remote thing was major right? It was both yeah, awesome huge. and probably not, right? Because all of a sudden it was like, we can hire from anywhere. Literally, we have, you know, the oysters and papaya globals and deals and all these things that can make it so easy and wonderful, right? And and I'm such a fan because diverse candidates get hired that way. People of, you know, mothers, disabilities, people from different, you know, places get hired. And that's so much better than just Bay Area and New York, you know what I mean? Like we do need to keep those things, but at the same time, it made it very easy, 
right? It made it very easy to just hire from anywhere. And yeah, great. Let's just add on to the team. And I think when you're at a company that's as big as Google or Meta, which is some of the companies where people are saying those practices were done, um, it's so easy to lose sight. Like even Mark Zuckerberg saying like, we need to be more flat. So I understand more of what's happening, right? We need to sort of like let go some of this middle management. Of course, they always get blamed. We know that middle management gets blamed for everything because they're an easy target. But I think it keeps you a little out of the loop where you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm allowing sort of the delegation, you know, to happen. And maybe it's just too much. Right. So I think it's, it's just part, all part of the whole ecosystem that was going on there. Right. Of just like, oh, we can, so we will. And now it's even more possible to do that from everywhere. And it doesn't look like anything's going down. Even the pandemic made it more. Right. So, and then when the market started going, it was just, I think it was a total shock. Like, you know, almost like 2008, what? Nobody saw this coming, even though, yeah, people did see it coming, but that's human behavior. We get caught up in things and we don't want to be the last guy who doesn't do the thing that everybody's doing. And, you know, if that guy's doing it, I'm going to do it. And so I think hopefully we'll learn some from this. Right. And I think it's also very easy to get caught up. I just like to always put things in perspective with history you know, the tech market is like 3% of the, of the labor market. So like, let's yeah. not also overblow that the rest of the world is actually still dying for talent right now. Like yeah. cannot keep them enough. Right. I mean, Home Depot is giving a billion dollars in raises right now. Like so many industries are still absolutely desperate for talent. So the tech world gets lots of splashy news right? But they're a very small percentage of the actual labor market. So there's like two different worlds happening right now at the same time. So it's to understand that too. Steve Cadigan, who we've had on the show, he was the, I think the first CHRO at LinkedIn, he just posted today, like there are tens of thousands of layoffs at at GM and no one's talking about this. Exactly. He and I were just on a panel a couple of weeks ago. I really like Steve. Um, We have very aligned thoughts and it's like, exactly. It's like, hold on, hold on. Let's not think the whole world is like the tech world because it's not. Yeah. So I want to go back to uh, talking about the work you do as an investor and how as a former HR leader, you're evaluating these deals from, you know, a people lens. And I'm just curious, like when you're looking at a potential deal, what are some of the things that you're looking for? Like, obviously you have like the the models and stuff that you're, you're looking at and projections, but on the people side, like what are some of the, I guess, green and red flags that you're looking for? Yeah, definitely. And I think some of those things I was saying before around just yeah, when you're evaluating a founder, especially at such an early stage, it's really all about them, the founder team and, you know, the founding team, you know, who, who are, who do they already have? Who are they attracting? What are they trying to, to build? And I think you're really trying to get a sense of, do you have a real sense of what's going to challenge you here? Do you have a real sense? And are you not, you know, sort of in denial about where things will go wrong because they will. Right. So I think that's what I'm looking at is like, how are you under challenge? How do you talk about that? What do you not say? Right. What are the pauses in your silences and the things that you say? Um, How can I poke holes a little bit in that? Well, you know, allowing allowing them to feel safe to say a little bit more about what's happening there. Are they going to be resilient and have grit through pivots? Because they're going to have pivots right at an early stage. It's going to happen. Most likely it's pretty rare that it wouldn't. So how are they going to do that? Are, are they aware of how to validate 
that their product is working, right? Do they know when will they know it is and when will they know it's not? And how will they shift out of that? right? How will they develop and, and hire a great team in order to support the gaps that they have? Do they know the gaps that they have? Like, that's a big one I'm looking for. Do they have self-awareness around that? Are they coachable? Because man, if they're not, it's going to be a real painful 10 years trying to work with this person, right? So, you know, how much are they able to see where they have development and are they really open to that? Are they open to feedback? Are they open to having a real like conversation where we share the same reality? Like that's important to me to be able to see like, yeah, this is going to be a good relationship that we're going to be able to do over the long haul. And are they really like actually enthusiastic about what they do? You know, like, do they love this work? Cause they are going to be doing it night and day. Are they able to, are they able to see it through with resilience and so, uh, yeah, I think the, those are a lot of the green flags and the red flags would be those things that are kind of opposite of that, right? Are they not very coachable? Do they come across like they don't really want to hear things outside of their own thought process? Um, you know, do they not have sort of, a, you know, an empathetic mindset, meaning like an em empathy for the customer, empathy for the team that they're hiring, um, for the sector they're in and, and how the market works? Do they really understand their competitors? You know, again, on a human level, do they understand how they work well and why that's doing well or not doing well and where the gaps are that they'll be able to kind of like make a wedge in. So I think those are the things that I'm looking at beyond, you know, the business side is, is those. So what, what differentiates the best founders and I guess like the, the top startups, it all comes down to the human side of things basically is what I'm hearing. I mean, doesn't it always, right? Yeah, like we yeah. like to think that we're logical and we aren't, we are just a whole bunch of emotions. That's yeah. actually what humans are. Um, and so are you able to manage those? Can you regulate those? Are you aware of them? And can you build your capacity to hold them as a leader so that you can also hold other people's? So the, I the think, self, yeah. The self-awareness point is so hard because you have so many things coming at you and you think oh, you know thanks. but you don't always yeah. know and there's right. so much just so many things that are being flung at you as a as an early stage you know startup ceo and yeah. i want to so so that i personally that's the one thing that 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 yeah. i really and that you can't do it all on your own right that that mentality is just like whoo that will not go right especially yeah. as early stage like you everyone has gaps and do they know that and they are they welcoming other people that are a players and above them to actually do the job to make that company successful so I, I call that letting go of the vine. You you mentioned it oh. earlier. It's such a hard lesson and oh, wow. feel like it's a rite of passage for yeah. a lot of startup CEOs. I want to talk about culture and it, it to what extent are you assessing culture and can you even really get a true, can you conduct due diligence on culture? What does that look like and what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, having lived, eat and breathe culture as like my job, it certainly is something that I can't even help think, think, seeing things through because it's just how I think and how I've been developed, you know, is through that idea. And I've seen again, where time and time again, that's the thing that sees you through, right? Stuff that is challenging, stuff that is hard, right? Like, just the bank stuff we all went through, right? Watching my network and how we all helped each other, watching my team and how we all helped and, and helped outside of that speaks so much volume about that. 
So I think when I'm evaluating that, whether it's a new founder and we're thinking about whether we're going to invest or it's a, it's a current portfolio team that's just small and trying to build, you know, it's, it's, when you're looking at that, I think you're starting to say, well, again, what's the, the leader's culture is the culture. And I think that's the other thing that like, there's a myth that somehow like, that's not true, but it is. <laughs> so, you know, again, is the founder aware of the stuff they're bringing in, right? Are they aware where they know they have gaps or where they know they have superpowers and they're really going to like, you know, lean into that, but otherwise invite a great leadership team to surround them and that they're going to do it with intention, you know, around like even the idea of like, do you believe culture is important? Right. Like just that question, if they don't, <laughs> that is how the company is Red going flag. to work, you know? <laughs> right. And if they do, then that will see them through things that are even hard where they're trying to let go of control, which is the hardest thing, right. When it's your baby. So, you know, it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm, I, I want to get feedback from my people. I want to get feedback from and my advisors so that I can get better. And so for me, I think that's the thing I'm always looking for. It's those core skills like self-awareness. And I would say personal responsibility. I'm responsible for my behavior. I don't project it on others. I don't try to blame others for that. And I don't mean I have my moments, right? But like, I, I want to do what's right and know that I'm behaving in the best way possible and I'm repairing when I don't, right? And so I think those are the kinds of skills that transfer to anything you're doing. And that's how I've always hired my entire team. And everybody I've ever hired will tell you that's exactly what I hire for. Self-awareness, personal responsibility, and just a sort of thoughtfulness, kindness towards people. The assuming the best of others instead of the opposite gets you a long ways because it creates a safe environment for people to make mistakes, to say what's true. You know, there's so many things you can point out from companies where people didn't feel that and the whole company went down because of that one thing. They did not feel safe to say what was actually true was right there in front of them, but they were like, it's not safe to say that. So I won't. Oof. Yeah. I, the, one of the hardest lessons learned, and this isn't because I couldn't see it. It's just because it happens a lot and it is tough yeah. as a CEO is that when things go wrong, it is always, you know, it is always my responsibility. And like it's some of the, I may not have made all the decisions that led to thing going wrong or mistake or churned account. But as a CEO, it all comes back to you and you have to be able to accept that and, and take responsibility and move past that. And, yep. uh, and so I, I love that that is so high on your list and I never really thought about, I, I never really thought about that as a measure of culture or like an indicator. Right. But, but it is because to your totally. point right before that yeah. is it's really, the culture is what the leader sets it to be. Um, and if the leader is not taking responsibility and is not holding himself or herself accountable, then, you know, that is going to cascade, you know, that's going to be become a, a shared behavior uh, with others in the company. And so, yep. oh my goodness, I could keep talking about this for hours with you, Kat. And unfortunately <laughs> we yes. are at that point in the conversation where we've right. got to turn turn it around the corner and bring it to a close. And so we have a couple more traditions at the modern people leader. Um, 
before we let you go, the next is what we call rapid fire questions. It's the same set of questions we ask every guest uh, with some minor modifications over time. Um, my first question for you is how do you define a modern people leader? What are the traits and characteristics? Yes. Um, I would say a lot of things we've chatted about, which is curiosity, like high level of curiosity, not assuming things and moving forward without being thoughtful and being really creative. I think creative with how you think about things, looking in places you haven't looked before, calling in people you wouldn't have thought to call in to, to give input, uh, approaching things with a new set of eyes, you know, um, I think that that's really important. I also think HR can just be so serious so sometimes, <laughs> right? So serious, so formal. So I think like anything where you can take your work seriously, but not yourself so seriously, right? Add a sense of playfulness. Like people just need that so much in this world. And I think it relieves so much stress for people. It, it just allows the curiosity and the creativity when they know that, we can be a little bit playful, even in this very serious, you know, realm of people, right. And, right. and their livelihood and, and all of that. But I think there's a way to balance those things. And it's really important to bring all that. Love that. Love that. Next question. If you could go back in time and talk to a 22 year old you, oh my goodness, <laughs> I, I'm mentally going back. Uh, what career advice would you give yourself and why? Yeah, such a good question. And I think this takes me all the way back to the beginning when Daniel, you were talking about the word multi-potentialite like that. I wish I knew that word back then, my little baby self, when I was just getting going and think, why am I so weird compared to everybody else, you know, in that I want lots of diversity and I want to try something for a while. And then I want to do something totally opposite. I just felt a lot of like, that's not okay. And I, I, I suffered a lot of like anxiety and stress of trying to fit into a certain way and thinking I was going to like ruin my future by these things. And then I finally just started to let that go. And I just, not only was it uh, ritually rewarding, it was a, it's been a total leg up for me. Like I, I absolutely am the person I am today because of allowing all of those things and now I'm able to see that that is true, but man, I didn't feel that early on. So I guess I would tell her to just not worry so much and that, you know, keep doing these, these interesting, diverse things. It will take you somewhere. It's so hard to not future trip, especially when you're young. It is I like, know. and you just can't be about... told that, right? It's like, as you much can... as absolutely not. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, last question. Yeah. Do you have any shout outs that you want to give members of the initialized capital team or your specific team within initialized capital? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could give it to the whole team after the last couple of weeks and all the things that we've been through. Hey, so intense yeah. to do that. I mean, I could name off so many different people, but I just to watch the ability of just like getting into it, doing what was right, helping all of our portfolio companies putting everything else aside, as well as people outside of that. Like, what do we need to do with our industry, right? How do we need to be a helpful citizen within this was an incredible thing to watch that happen. And my newer, you know, head of talent, Tiffany Fu, who we brought in in November, like to watch her just jump in, create resources for our portfolio. How do you need to think about paying somebody right now when you can't, 
you know, all of these things um, was really amazing to watch her as a new, pretty new person to the team, just like jump in and be so like in it. Um, so that was very exciting to watch that and definitely a silver lining in all of the stress. Well, shout out to the uh, initialized capital team. So we are, we're, we're pretty booked up for the year in terms of guests, which is great. It's the first yes. time we've ever had this problem. Wow, congrats. Um, but we're still looking to schedule out in the last few months of the year. And part of the way that we've been able to get such amazing guests is is through just asking our guests, like, who should we have on next? So that's my question to you. Like, um, who, if you had to pick like two people that you would just love to hear in the Modern People Leader, maybe you don't even know them. Like, who are who are a couple of dream guests that we should be aiming to have onto the show? Yes. Um, well, first one I would say is someone I do know well, uh, Tiffany Stevenson. Um, she's an amazing leader. She hired me to box. Um, we had met earlier on through Stitch Fix, but she didn't, you know, come on there and she remembered me and hired me at box. She was my leader there. And just like, what an incredible time to be with her and learn from her. Um, she has that sense of playfulness where even when things are so stressful, um, and I really love that. And she's just a wealth of like humble wisdom. And I really love that about her. And she's very inclusive with everybody. And she's uh, now, I think, the CHRO at Weight Watchers. Uh, it's been very cool to see her from Box go to Patreon and, and now there. Um, but she's so much fun, too. Like, you will have an absolute blast talking to her. And you will gain a lot of wisdom through that. And 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 I think the combo of those two things is is intoxicating. Yes. Oh, we yes. want to have her on. Um, yes. And I, I love the I love the comment you made about having a sense of of playfulness, even during the tough times. I don't know. I'm, I'm even just thinking back to the last couple of weeks, Stephen and I dealing with the situation that we were dealing with. And, uh, you know, we'd be stressed out on the phone, but we were still cracking jokes. And I don't know, there's nothing right, you like have to. bringing levity to moments like yes, that. Yes, like, you have really to. Do. It's therapy, yeah. right? It's like therapeutic. Right. It really is. Yeah, it really it is. It really is. Yeah. Yes. All right. So on to our last tradition, which is the one word or phrase close. And who wants to kick it off? If nobody goes, I'll go. Because oh, I feel like somebody's gonna steal it. this. I'm gonna say multi-potentialite. Awesome. <laughs> and I had that written down before you brought it up again. And Steven wrote in the doc, haha. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we literally are real time, like managing things on our side. A lot of our guests don't realize that. And oh, when, I saw, sure. <laughs> when I saw that drop in, I was like, I couldn't, and I, just, I had to LOL. You're um, like, I'm going to take it first. I yeah. thought I had it. Good. I love I that it's going to be used low on the draw. So I'm going to go with playfulness. And it was, yes. you, you mentioned that near the end of the conversation. And I, I agree. It is such a hard job. Part of my personal uh, mission for the modern people leader is to cast a light on all the hard work, innovative work, difficult work that we do as HR and modern people leaders. And it, it seems like on the other side, these things are just happening. It, it, it's like, you know, steady state, everything's smooth, everything's easy. But behind all that, there are people challenges, you know, they're the same, all business problems or, or people problems. And, yep. um, and so, you know, we deal with a lot and 
it, uh, you know, I want this year to find more playfulness in the work we do because we deserve to, to have fun as well. So. Yes. Love. I don't know that I can top either one of those. Cause I really love both of them. Um, I guess the only one that I would add was, uh, like human source code, you know, oh, just the idea yes. that there is a source code that it, that humans have as well. Um, and just like, you just got to pay attention, right? Be curious and pay attention. So that curiosity around what's making somebody who they are. Oh my gosh. I wish I could just be in a meeting where I hear you say, just, just give me the, the human source code. I'll, I'll figure it all out. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you in I'll five you what minutes what's going on here. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, Kat, thank you so much for, for joining us. I'm so glad that, uh, Amy put us in touch. Um, yes, I can't wait to meet up next week at, at transform. Yeah. And, me too. Um, yeah thank know. you so much for, for joining the modern people leader. Oh, it's thank you so, so much. much. It's been thank so you. much fun and great to learn from both of you as well and totally honored to be here. So thank you. Excited thank for you. next week. Me too. Me too. See you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.